but be chalk drawn tonight. And now that picture, uh, you know, if uh, I give it to whoever Brother Cliff wants to, I don't keep them. And I draw them all the time, so uh, who knows? You come back tonight, you might get that picture. I don't know. <laughs> Said I don't know what it is. Well, you'll have to come back and see. Amen. But this morning, and I appreciate what the pastor said. Um, I'm an evangelist, and I just come through. My job's just about like the pastor's job, just about like the teacher's job. Uh, we're there for perfecting of the saints. And somebody said, well, what do you do? Well, I just go in and preach the word of God, try to, whatever God gives me, that's what I want to give you. And uh, I trust that God will suit a blessing to you with it. And I want you to take your Bible today, if you would, and turn to Psalms chapter 4. So we're glad to be back again uh, this year. And uh, many times I've been up to preach and uh, fellowship with the uh, pastor and his family and, and you folks. And I appreciate now that uh, opportunity that God has given us to look into the Scriptures. And I'm going to be in Psalms chapter 4 for a few moments. And... Um, Talk about a simple little thing that uh, seems to be a problem in the culture and society of our day uh, for the children of God. And the children of God, uh, for somehow, some reason, uh, so often you, you look around and uh, they, they've lost, uh, they've lost something. I, I don't know what it is. I, I know they haven't lost the Lord, and the Lord hadn't lost them, but uh, they, they seem to lose their joy, and uh, they just the joy ain't there, and uh, and uh, they just kind of live in a whole hum. Christian life, and I think it's because of the the muck and the mire of this old world. John chapter seventeen says, "You're in the world, but you're not of the world." Sometimes we lose that perspective, and uh, maybe this morning somehow God will uh, allow us to uh, uh, talk about some things that He exposed through the man David, and uh, encourage us in the Lord to keep on serving Him somehow. And in, in the text, the Bible says in in verse one, "Hear me when I call." O God of my righteousness, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Amen. Now God heard that prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance yeah. upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only maketh me dwell in safety. Shall we pray? Father, we bow in your presence to pray this morning. And Lord, we did not take for granted this opportunity to preach behind this pulpit. And I ask God that you would empower me and cleanse me and forgive me and take away all those things that might stand in opposition and, uh, against uh, from, from myself and from my flesh and even from my mind uh, that would not glorify thee. And I pray, God, now that you'd have your way. Bless each one that has come, each soul that's here. Save that sinner that's nearest hell. And bless the church and encourage the saints of God. It's in Jesus' name I pray and ask it. Amen. This morning for a few minutes I want to preach to you uh, something that I've found here uh, back uh, many years ago that God spoke to me on. 
and it's helped me through the years. I trust that this morning maybe it'll help you. And uh, getting saved at 12 years old, 1962, and coming down life's road till now I'm 65, be soon 66 years old, is a long time to be saved. And you travel many miles and many dusty trails. Uh, and as the young people sang about tonight, he's always there on time. And we don't ever need to forget about that. But in our text, I want you to notice verse 4. Uh, that'll be my preaching text and my thought for the message this morning. He says there, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, shalom. An overwhelming feeling is what the word awe means. I want to look at that little word awe. It's only mentioned three times in your Bible, just three times. And it simply means an overwhelming feeling of a reverence, an admiration of fear. Um, uh, it, it, it produced by that which is grand or sublime, extremely powerful, like, like it's used here in awe of God. And I want to say this this morning. I believe that Christianity, Christian people sometimes lose their awe. I don't know about you, but I am awestruck at the greatness of God. I am awestruck at the fact that he could come to an old rugged cross and die and shed his life's blood there, uh, his precious blood that you and I might be saved. And he made a way uh, so simple, the plan of salvation, that if we had trusted him uh, with our whole heart, realizing we're a sinner, yes. condemned and headed for hell, he'd save us. And I stand in awe at what he did when I got saved. Amen. And I find that the child of God today sometimes uh, has lost his all. He's so consumed with the day and so consumed with the world and so consumed with things uh, uh, that he just don't stop and think uh, how well off he has it because he's a child of God. And they lose their awe and, and, then they, and they kind of go through life numb and they're in the doldrums uh, and, and, and the wind don't blow and they don't hear from God and they don't receive the blessings of God and the next thing you know they're out of church and, and they're not following God, not following after the things of God. You say, what's wrong with the preacher? They've lost their awe of God. Amen. So a few moments, I want to preach on uh, getting your awe back. Now, I don't know if you have it or you don't have it, but I know this. It's a plague of many a child of God today. Now, I pulled this off because I leaned over the pulpit, and that button down at the bottom on the door grabbed that cord, and I'm going to tuck it in my britches here. Try not, try not to do that again. Amen. Uh, but the awe is mentioned three times, as I said, in the Word. Just three times. But anytime God mentions something in the Word of God, and it's very significant. And we don't use the term much, not spoken of much. Uh, but it's mentioned first here in our text in Psalms 4.4, which I'm referring to. It's mentioned again in Psalms 33 and verse 8, and I'll refer to it in a minute. And it's mentioned the last time in Psalms 119 verse 161. That's the only times that you'll find it in the King James Bible. The psalm is dedicated to the chief musician of stringed instruments. If you have any notes in your Bible at all, it may even say that at the top of the song to the chief musician uh, on the stringed instruments or something like that. And that's what it was for uh, in the praise and worship of God and simply the acknowledgement of the awe of God. So it is a psalm of life, if you please. There's just eight verses of scripture in Psalms chapter 4. It speaks of, if you please, sadness, 
gladness and madness. And those will be those will be preaching points, if you please, but that's what I find here in the expository uh, lesson found in Psalm chapter 4. Note, these are various conditions of life. Sadness is a condition of life. A gladness, and I surely hope that you're glad today in the Lord Jesus Christ, is a condition of life. And let me say this, as preacher was saying, uh, man, this world don't have much to offer. Amen. I mean, drunkenness, divorce, and he went through the whole list, and I, amen, amen, and amen. Brother, that's the madness. Yeah. That's the madness. Note, I've knocked this off again. Man, I am just destroying equipment like a It's still working for me. We're good. But uh, note, these are various conditions of life. Let us notice the truth taught here in the scripture just for a moment. And if you haven't given God the praise and the glory that possibly you should over these past weeks or months, or you've been a little downhearted or a little troubled about your Christian life and your walk here on this earth as one day you'll be over there with Him. Let me uh, bid you pay attention to the Word of God. Not so much to the preaching, uh, to the preacher, but to the Word of God. It's the Word of God that you ought to be an awestruck by today. For the message comes from the Word of God. Let me say this first. Words of encouragement are found to the believer. In Psalms 4.1 he says, Thou hast enlarged me. And when I think about the enlarging that God speaks of here, it simply means he has been set free. He is in prison and bondage no more. So when he says, Thou hast enlarged me, we identify with that through John chapter 8, verse 36, where the Bible says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now I'm glad to be free today. I'm glad that I live in a free country today. Now we're quickly losing our freedoms. And let me say this by way of, of just speaking this morning. I believe that not only have Christians lost their awe of God, forgetting that they're free, but the church has lost its awe of God. Yes. And not only has the church lost its awe, but I believe America as a nation has lost its awe of God. No longer does it sit and think about the awesomeness of God that this country was founded on. Yes. So here there are words to the believer in verse 1, thou hast enlarged me, if you please, set me free. Like a bird out of prison, he set free, David said. And it is when men are at their wit's end that they may, they're made to see the salvation of the Lord. Then you've got this easy believism thing that has swept across our nation. And people, um, someone knocked on somebody's door and put their arm around that candidate and said, wouldn't you like to go to heaven when you die? And obviously that person, if he was in his right mind, would say, well, yeah, who wouldn't want to go to heaven? Bow your head. He's 
reluctantly looks around, bows his head, and that guy prays a sinner's prayer for him, slaps him on the back and says, you're saved. That man is as lost as a yes, goose in a snowstorm. Yes, you say, why? Because the Holy Ghost of God didn't even get an opportunity to convict him of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Somebody shaked and baked him, brother, and now you go across this land and everybody's saved. But they don't have the salvation this Bible talks about. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost salvation, a, a one that saves you from the tip of your head to the sole of your foot, one that'll set you free. And when he saves you and sets you free, you know you're free and you know you belong to God. This world is not my home anymore and you're just a passing through. But I'm talking about that kind of salvation, the changing, the life-changing kind of salvation. You say, how do you get that? Just as simple. Just give God the Holy Ghost a chance to convict you and show you you're a sinner and you were born under... It ain't about how bad you are. It's about how bad you were born. Yes. You were born a sinner. Yes. Under condemnation. Condemned to die. Now thank God these little folks that die and, and, and don't ever come to the age of some kind of accountability. They can't discern uh, between the tree or the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, God said they're protected. And we learn all the way through. He takes care of those folks. But brother, when you come to that age where you know there's something wrong with your soul and you know that the world is wicked and you know and you wish in your heart that there was something better and God begins to deal with you and show you, look, you're, you're in bondage, you're in sin, but I've died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of men. If you trust me, you can be set free. And brother, then when you bow your head and trust Christ under the convicting power of the Holy Ghost of God, He'll save you. He'll born you again. Then we have the new birth. Amen. Words of encouragement to the believer. When's the last time you thought about your salvation? Oh, we get so down and out about this and that and that over there and this over here. and We're trying to work this out over there and that over here. And, and brother, nothing's going right. And brother, we just lose our awe. And we forgot about how precious God was. We forgot about how it was the day that we met the Savior and He saved our soul. And brother, when He saved our soul that day, we were awestruck that a gracious God could even save a sinner like we are. And we lose our awe. Oh, what happened the day we got saved? Once in a while, I think we ought to go back and remind ourselves of that. To be set at large by the saving grace of God is a deliverance. He made him glad. Now, I said there's sadness, gladness, and madness. Here's the thought that he made him glad. The verse says in verse 7, Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Yes. More than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. He says, man, when we have harvest and it's a good harvest, we are happy, we are glad, but the gladness God puts in our heart because we're delivered, because we've been set free, is more than the worldly gladness that we might get out of just a good crop and a good harvest. Say, so what is that? That's the awe of God. And that's that's the gladness that it brings. Words of encouragement to the believer. Peter says it like this. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, Whom having not seen, now he's talking about our Savior, yes. ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, that's us, yet believing, that's us, 
Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I know something about Peter when he wrote that down. He had the awe of God. He was saying even you haven't seen him. You haven't known him. But he's alive and well. He saved your soul. Don't lose the awe. And Christians today have lost the awe of God and the magnificence of God that saved them. He made him safe. Not only did he make him glad, he made him safe. Psalms 4, 8. Thou, Lord, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Think about that a minute. Words of encouragement to the believer. Man, no wonder Paul was suicidal. After they stoned him at Lystra, and he come to, he went right on back in and started preaching again. Say what's wrong with him. I think it's like the young people saying this morning, he always shows up on time. Amen. <laughs> and when you look at this, he made him safe. Verse 8, uh, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 12. Moses knew this of old. He said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. Moses knew he was okay in the wilderness. Moses knew he was okay when he split the Red Sea. Moses knew the Egyptian army wasn't going to have a, a chance because God caused them to dwell in safety. Amen. You know what I know about Moses? He knew of the awe of God. Amen. Now, he not only made them free and glad and safe, uh, free, glad, and safe is the condition of all who by faith receive Christ. Um, and they are the Lord's own peculiar, personal, treasure. When you get saved you're, you're peculiar treasure of the Lord. For the scripture says in Psalms chapter 4 where we're at in verse 3 but know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. When you get saved God takes you from here and sets you over here because you're peculiar precious jewel to him. He has set you aside. And brother, that is just realizing the awesomeness of God. But Christians lose their all and don't realize where their position is in the Lord. I said words of encouragement to the believer. I said uh, uh, people need to get their all back. Christians, church needs, America needs to. Let me say this. Not only in this psalm do you see words of encouragement to the believer, but I see words of rebuke to the unbeliever. And when I look at this in verse 2, verse 1, he's talking to the Lord. Hear me when I call, O God. But in verse 2, he says, O ye sons of men. Talking now to the sons of men. He say, what's that? Well, we talked about gladness and madness. Sons of men are madness. Say why? They're under condemnation. They might not even know they're in such a predicament, but they've been born into sin. And so when I read here, the scripture saying, sons of men, they had three sins which they were guilty of, the sons of men. And you were one of those one time before you were saved. Practicing ridicule. Look at verse 2. How long will you turn my glory into shame? They have no awe of God. They turn the glory of God into shame. 
God holds no candle for their eye. Words of rebuke to the believer. God said you're guilty of three sins. Participating in ridicule. Our glory is in that we trust in the Lord. Psalms 3.3. 3. That's a saved man. A lost man doesn't glory in the Lord. He's against the glory of God. He wants the glory for himself. And many fools mock at faith as they mock at sin. We see it every day. It's throughout the word of God. The man must be morally mad who would attempt to make confidence in God appear to be a dishonorable thing. Yet they do. The scoffer said there is no God. The fool has said in his heart there is no God when all the time there's a God in heaven. Amen. Now, God said... Uh, Three things, three things show up here. The ridicule, mad men ridiculing the things of God. You know, if it, when a person isn't saved, uh, they're a child of the devil. That, that's what we learn in the book of Ephesians. I mean, we learn through the teaching of the word of God. He calls them heathen in Psalms chapter 2. Um, he calls us unenlightened or in darkness. Uh, uh, we're, we're under condemnation when we're lost in the book of John. And when you get to thinking about this, you know when somebody is lost and hears the gospel and continues to reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they have got to be insane. Yeah. Mad. You say, well, they're not mad. They'll tell you they're and the wise and the educated of the world ain't always too bright when it comes to spiritual things according to the Word of God. So madness. David was made glad by the words of encouragement. And then he talks about the sons of men, mad men, rejecting Christ. And they love vanity. I said there was two or three things here. They were ridiculing. They were loving vanity. Verse 2, Psalms 4. How long will ye love vanity? They love vanity who love that which is worthless to satisfy. People running, especially the world, after things that will never satisfy. That which is uncertain, that which has the appearance of being what it is not, deception. And the world chases these things. It thinks there's happiness in this or that or that over there. Yet it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. And so man runs after Vanity, loving vanity, uh, Solomon's experiences, all that take the place of Christ is vanity is what we learn. I like what John said in 1 John chapter 5 that brings it up to speed in the day that we live. In chapter 15, I'm sorry, 2.15 I should have said, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Take your Bible if you would and come to Psalms 33 verse 8. I told you that the little word all is only mentioned three times. I've been preaching about it in Psalms chapter 4. But in Psalms chapter 33 the Bible says this Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. 
He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of good of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Talk about creation. He gathered the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in the storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand, watch it, in awe of him. Now I said America needs to get her all back. There was a one time uh, that uh, 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 Christianity was a little more prevalent in America than it is today. Uh, because of our freedom of all that we have, it has opened the doors to all kinds of heresies and all kinds of religion. And, and I'm telling you, they're not all serving the God we're serving today. Education is a God of America today. Education has said there's a big bang theory and it preaches on uh, evolution and makes you think and teaches your children and teaches through all media uh, that it's it's the way of Darwin not the way of the word of God I got news for you those people have lost their awe in the greatness of the creative powers of God that's what Psalms 33 is talking about in verse 8 now not only has America lost it but any nation that turned against God lost their awe if they were with God at all so the, the, the little word awe shows up when it comes to the child of God, when it comes to, the, to America or a nation that should serve God. And when you look at Psalms 33 verse 8, verse 9, for he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. That's the creative powers of God. Is that something to be awestruck with? Yes. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of the heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I'm telling you, the Lord God of Abraham is no longer the God of America. Yeah. We have bowed to the culture gods. We have bowed to every other kind of God. But we do not want to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. We have as a nation lost our awe yeah. of God. Amen. And the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now I won't expound any more on that. Thank you Bible if you wouldn't come to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. In Psalms, now it's only mentioned three times in the scripture. And any time the Lord is repetitious like this, it's significant that we learn the lessons that he tries to teach us at this time. But in Psalms 119 verse 161, the little word, awe, is mentioned. He says, princes, have persecuted me without a cause. But my heart standeth in awe, be careful with this, at awe of thy word. Christians have lost the awe of the word of God. Amen. No longer does it fascinate the soul, teach the soul, 
comfort the heart. No, Lord, we run to everything under the sun but the word of God. And we this morning should be standing at awe at the word of God because of the scriptures. People have, Christians have lost their awe of the word of God. They've changed the word of God. They have so many different translations of the word of God. I'm glad I've got the standard, the old 1611 King James Bible is the word of God. And I still stand in awe at the word of God. I'm saying Christians have lost their awe of the word of God. Churches have lost their awe of the word of God. This nation has kicked the word of God out of its school system. It's lost the awe of the word of God. It wants the Ten Commandments taken down and any scripture, any place taken down. It doesn't want to be reminded. It's lost the awe of God for the word of God. Lastly, let me say this. He said they were seeking leasing. I said they sinned in three ways. I should have I should finish this. They sinned in their ridicule, they sinned in their vanity, and they sinned in their leasing. Now leasing is a good word. It's an old English word that simply means in falsehood and lying. Psalms 4 verse 2. Brother, did you ever pay attention to the lies that people would tell today? I'm talking about just plain people. I'm not actually talking about politicians and I don't believe hardly anything any of them say. Amen. Uh, Well, I'm not going to get in that arena. Amen. And so uh, he says here, they they, they sought, this is is the mad men. These are men without God. Oh, they may say they're Christians or they've been born again, but they don't act like the Bible Christians we learn about when they were first called Christians in Antioch. They're anything but Christ-like. And that word Christian has been used so loosely. I mean, there are people on national television claiming to be Christians and and brother, uh, they're of other religions and they call themselves Christians. They're not Bible-believing, born-again, blood-bought Christians. So be careful with that term as it's thrown around today. Seeking leasing these mad men, which is falsehood and lying, Psalms 4-2. But one but has to look only in his own heart to find this. To seek a lie rather than the truth, Jeremiah the prophet said in 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you know your own heart this morning? Isn't it about time that you got alone with yourself and had a heart-to-heart talk with yourself? Amen. Are you trying to solve your own problems and not allowing God and the Word of God to solve your problems? We don't want to wait on God anymore. You say, why? Because the awe of God is gone. So we're going to work it out in our own efforts. And we need to sit down and have a a heart-to-heart talk with ourselves. And I think there was something in my text where in chapter 4 in Psalms, and let me, let me it just come to my mind. He says, verse 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Let me say this. Do you have trouble sleeping at night because you got so much on your mind? 
You got to take a pill to go to bed and a pill to get up and a pill through the day to keep you settled down and not so anxious. My last point is words of entreaty to the anxious. And the, and the, and, and the child of God I find today across the spectrum is anxious. Not trusting God. Trying to work it out on their own. Can't get any sleep. They come and say, Preacher, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm losing my mind. Talk more like madmen than saved men. And so there are words of entreaty to the anxious. For the scripture says, Stand in awe and sin not. Don't lose your awe. I think it'd help people sleep if when they lay down at night and put their head on our pillow, they'd just shut everything off and think about God. Yeah. I've tried to turn the switch off and not think about this and not think about that. And I've gone to reading my Bible. I've gone to looking at something on YouTube I've, just to get my mind to stop. But you know what I found out works the best? Get along with yourself and have a heart-to-heart -heart discussion with yourself and the Holy Spirit that dwells in you and say, look, I want to stand in awe of you and what you're able to do. And tomorrow when the sun comes up, it'll be a better day. I guarantee you, you'll sleep better. See, where'd you get that? Right out of the Word of God. He says there, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. Want to rest better? Get you all back. Put God in His rightful place. Put His Word in the rightful place. Honor and respect and stand it all at what He's been able to do. Not only in creation, but in your heart and your life. So this evening, this morning, when I look at Psalms 119, where we were just a minute ago, he says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of the word. If you've lost your awe, get your awe back. Commune with your own heart. Psalms 4.4, upon your bed and be still. Have a quiet time with your own heart. Examine yourself as the New Testament scriptures teach in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Christ Jesus is in you except ye be reprobate. He's talking to a Christ, those Corinthian people who were weak and carnal and they lost their all. He said, examine yourself and get alone with God. And give him that respect and awe. So in the stillness of the night, find out your own character. The bed and the heart are fields. Which many startling discoveries have been made. Are you listening to me? When you're alone with yourself, you do some thinking. And you discover some things about what you think about. So the bed and the heart, which are fields of discovery, where you find things out. Many great battles have been fought when you can't sleep. Many great victories have been won if you give it to God. Bloodless battles whom God will fight. Whose issues reach into eternity. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the awe of God. I'm talking about the songs these young people sang. He always shows up on time. If you'll give him a chance. So 
to today, sacrifice is necessary. Psalms 4, 5, offer the sacrifice of righteousness. Now you may not have any righteousness. You don't. Or righteousness, you have your child of God is his. But you know what? He'll accept you through him. Amen. So trust, Psalms 4, 5. The Bible says this is probably the, the, the cornerstone of the whole thing. Psalms chapter 4, verse 5, the word trust. He says, trust in the Lord. And when we lose our awe, we're not trusting in God. So the key there. Is just simply trust in the Lord. You know what? If you're lost today and, and, and you your life is tempestuous, your life is upside down, um, you know, the only help you're going to get is from God when you trust Him. When you finally see your situation and you know uh, you're like these madmen we talked about and you just, you, you, your life makes no sense. You don't know geographical where you're at. You don't know topographical where you're at. You, you don't know uh, choreography where you're at. You don't know what you're doing. What Your life doesn't make any sense. You say, what, what do I need? You need the Lord because you're lost you're confused God's not the author of confusion if you want some continuity give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ trust in the Lord now trust and obey for there's no other way it's been years ago somewhere in the 90s that uh, I first run across this little word awe for the first time and seen it in the word of God I just put this message together just a few weeks ago but when I first found it I was pastoring a little old church First Baptist Church of Blooming Grove Indiana up in Blooming Grove Township Franklin County I mean we got one caution light that there and about 50 people that little bird blink your eyes you'd be through it so fast you wouldn't even know you went through it little old church alongside the highway I was there almost 14 years I took the church because there was four or five people in the church and they were going to close the door. And they, A couple of the old people begged me, would you please take the, your evangelist, help us build the church, train somebody, do something. So I stayed. And I got comfortable there. I went and got a job. I worked. And I pastored that church for 13 years. I quit holding meetings. I quit going. I never did forget about God calling me to be an evangelist. But I just got comfortable pastoring that church. I was happy there's only 10, 15 people that finally grew to about 50 people. And, man, this is it. Didn't have a lot of problems. No problem. Had money in the bank. We re-roofed it. Put tarvey. We're doing good. But something happened, Brother Cliff. Something was missing in my life. I've gotten so busy with life and so busy with working and so busy with just going through the routine of pastoring the church and putting stuff together and that I had lost the awe of God. I'm just doing a job. You know what? If you want to, God will let you do what you want to do. Oh, He will. Without Him. And brother, it's a long, dusty trail if you try. So... About 1997, I took that church in 89. About 1997, there was something bad missing in my life. God had whispered in my ear and said, Brother Phil, you've about raised your family now. I want you to come back with me on the road. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I've built a house. I've got property. I'm working a good job. 
I'm just going to stay here. And brother, when you lose the awe of God, you might as well write Ichabod yeah. on your life. Because the glory and the grace of God has departed. And from 1997 to 1999 to the year 2000, I tried pastoring that church by myself. And at the end in the 2000 year, I'd been sued for $3.5 million because of that great job I had. I had had an accident in the wood and just about killed myself with a tree hit me in the chest. Uh, brother, life's a little rough without the awe of God. I just thought I could do it on my own. And brother, I one Sunday morning went into that church trying to figure out what went wrong with my life. And I went back down to that old basement, that old church where old Cole Stoker used to be and they're soot all over the walls and all over the floor and all over the ceiling. It had been there for 30 or 40 years maybe ever since uh, they had a cold nobody ever cleaned it up. I got out a little scrap two by six piece of lumber throwed it in the floor that I had done many times before. I kneeled down on that floor in that dark room and I began to pray and say God what is wrong with me and I'd been reading over in Psalms he said you have lost your all. And you need your awe back. Mm -mm. And I got up off that floor in just a few minutes. That cold dirt and that dust. That old hard room. And I said, God, I'll quit preaching in this church today if you want me to. I'll go to China if you want me to. I don't care what it is. I just need my awe back. Yeah. When I lay down at night, I want to know uh, the awesomeness of God. I want that fascination of my soul to be real. And I told God, I don't want to live yeah. without the awe of God. And he began to restore my soul and restore that fellowship. And yes, I did resign the church. Yes, I did quit the radio ministry that I was involved in. Yes, I did quit writing the newspaper article that I'd wrote for for many years. Yes, I did change the business over and put it in my son's name and I got totally out of the business and let them run the whole thing. I did turn the cell phone off. I did quit taking the emails. I quit bidding the jobs. You say, why? God said, you're going to go do this. And you can't do this if you're over there doing that. And you can do that without me, but you can do this with me. I said, I'd rather do this with you than that without you. And God restored the awe to my life. Oh, I've heard the skeptics say, brother, you're 60-something years old. You're, I've been back on the road for 14 years, 15 years, something like that. They said, well, you're too old to go to this. I'm not too old. Because the awe of God never wears out. Amen. Because God always shows up on time. But if you're running your life by yourself, isn't it time you give God the reins and let him take care of business? Isn't it time you restore that fellowship in your life? And let God have his way again in your life so he can begin to put the blessings on you that he wants to put on you. We limit God just like the children of Israel of old when we forget about the awe of God. Let's stand for a word of prayer. If you need to pray this morning, you know uh, you can pray right where you're at. You can make a trip to this old-fashioned altar. I'm going to ask the young lady to come and maybe play a little something on the on the piano.
And if there's a need, why don't you bow in your presence? And if you've lost a little of that awe, why don't you get that awe back today and say, God, you're worth everything I do. You're worth everything. God, I need you. I can't live without you. Why don't you get your heart back today? As she plays.